Good evening and welcome to Guys Guys Radio. This is your host, Robert Manny, welcoming you to the show. It is Wednesday, May 3rd, 2017. I hope everybody's uh, having a great start to the month of May. I can't believe it's May already, but here we are. And uh, in the Northeast, we've made the turn. We're into a beautiful spring now. The trees are full of leaves. The flowers have bloomed. The New York Botanical Gardens are flowing with cherry blossoms and all kinds of veg- uh, plants and flowers and vegetation. So we're on to uh, six coming months of fantastic weather here in the Northeast. So I hope wherever you are that you're uh, really enjoying springtime also. Uh, the weather hasn't been fantastic, but we, you know, now it's into May. Those bad days are going to be fewer and far between and all of a sudden bang it'll be 80 degrees and bang it'll be 90 degrees and then we'll say oh so hot but that's how it goes so we have a great show tonight our uh special guest is a a new author his name is frank dadone i think it's i think that's how you pronounce his name but he'll let us know when he comes on he's got a book that is called life's equation a journey toward finding greater purpose and it's uh it's really a special book about how people can kind of, uh, you know, find their way in this kooky, crazy world that we live in. And uh, I read about Frank and uh, read the book, and uh, he's a real guy's guy, so I'm looking forward to having him come out in a few minutes. What we're doing now, uh, I'm changing the format just a wee bit on the show. I'm following the template we did last week. Basically, last week we started the show with my introduction and then due to scheduling, I brought the guest on and we talked for about a half hour. And then I moved into the guys, guys, guide segment. And I think that works. So uh, I'm going to do just a quick overview of what's going on in the world out there. And then we're going to bring on our guest, Frank Dadone. And then um, after Frank, I will get into this week's feature, uh, guys, guys, guide segment. And we'll take it from there. So let's start out and talk about what's happening in the whole guys, guys brand and movement and why it's so important. It all started uh, with my novel, the guys, guys guide to love. Um, It's about two guys in advertising competing for love, sex, power, and money. And uh, we got a lot of press on that because uh, this is a time where men are kind of in the crosshairs where young guys, millennial guys, they're kind of caught between the MMA and manscaping and boomer guys are, they're finding that it's not just all about their job and their, how much money they have. They're really starting to look inside, and, uh, but it's hard for them. Uh, it's really hard for them to change their habits and find their purpose. Um, so through Guys Guys Radio, we've done, this is around 220 podcasts. We've talked to all kinds of different guests, uh, ranging from spiritual teachers, relationship coaches, dating experts, entertainers, fantasy sports experts, uh, wellness experts, quantum physicists, and on and on. And it's all about when men and women can be at their best, everyone wins. Better men, better world. And all comes out of the novel. Uh, I believe in the power of story. So I wanted to help bridge the deep chasm of communication between men and women and really do what I could to help men be the best they possibly can in this crazy world. And particularly at a time where women are getting such a long overdue recognition, not enough of it, but they're starting to get it. And uh, so their roles are more path is being more clearly defined. They're going straight ahead. They're ascending with guys. though, uh, it's a little bit, as I mentioned, all over the place. And it's tough for guys to know really who they are. I mean, this is a time where it's never been, in my opinion, a better time to be a guy uh, and a guy could be whoever he wants more than ever. But yet it's a time where men don't really know who they are. 
and um, we want to try to help get to them and get them to be the best version of themselves they can be. You can find me, Robert Manny, uh, and my syndicated blog at robertmanny, M-A-N-N-I.com. The book, The Guy's Guy's Guide to Love, it's on Amazon and all the e-tailers. And you can also find it in some bookstores. You can get a, a physical copy. You can get an e-copy. I know it's on sale right now at Amazon because I'm doing some book clubs. Um, you can hit me up on Facebook, Robert Manny Author, Twitter at Robert Manny, YouTube, Robert Manny Author. And every podcast of Guy's Guy's Radio is free for download on blog talk radio itunes um where hopefully if you want to support the guys guys movement you will subscribe to the podcast because i know everybody likes to listen to a podcast when they want that's one of the beauties of it uh reach this uh, subscribe rate and review and that's a big help to us also we're on stitcher and tune in radio so let's talk a little bit about our guest um and then we'll bring him on in just a few moments Okay, time to bring our guest, Frank Dedone, out. He is a pioneering business leader, non-mainstream author, uh, born and raised in Long Island, New York. A rebel, non-conformist approach to life. He's had success in business, and his book is Life's Equation, which is a story about uh, how, rather than allowing a challenging upbringing to serve as a barrier to his potential, he compiles his experience from different stages of his life and used a logical approach to create a formula for us on terms of how to find our true purpose in order to open up a path to fulfillment. Um, he's got a simple equation that's helped a lot of people in business and personal networks find inner meaning, self-clarity, and greater fulfillment in their living their lives. He is located in uh, Denver, Colorado. He's worked at Chipotle in a senior executive position. Uh, he left the private sector and worked with the Denver mayor's uh, Michael Hancock's office. He was also chief information officer uh, for the city and the county of Denver. So he's been all over the place. He's got uh, family out there and it'll be really interesting to talk to him. I think he's in transit. So let's bring him on the air right now. Good evening, Frank. How are you? Welcome to Guys hey, Guys Robert, Radio. Hey, Robert. How you doing? Good. Hey, well, thanks, thanks for, for be- having me. Hey, it's my pleasure. And um, uh, did I pronounce your name correctly? Yeah, they don't. It's, it's, you they know, don't. You hit it with the Italian spin that they don't at one point, which is even better. Okay. Well, is it is it they don't or because I'm like yourself, I'm a northeastern guy who has an Italian background. Um. So yeah. I my that was they they don't. Okay. So it, anyhow, they don't. you got it. All right. So let's uh let's start right out from the beginning. Um. You have an interesting uh book uh that I don't think anybody else has written something specifically like this what was and you have a successful business background and also in public service what was your inspiration to write this book Frank so so back uh right after I graduated from college I I went into uh, the medical industry uh healthcare and uh I was working for uh, a healthcare company doing uh, in-home testing and, uh, and, and it went really well for two years. It went so well that the business was doing so well that they actually sold the company and I got laid off. Um, so then I had to kind of figure out what I was going to do next. And at the time, I lived in Florida and things really weren't kind of shaken out for me after that. I went up loading trucks, uh, making mm-hmm. minimal wage. Uh, so I finally decided, you know what, uh, nobody's going to change this for me. I'm the only one that's going to do it. So I packed, sold everything I own, packed up and moved out to Colorado like a lot of people do. And uh, started over, and it was the 
And what the the what kind of drove the book was it was kind of the the principles and the ideas behind me making a leap like that that I, I started wanting to document it and and that's that's where the book kind of got got its uh, got its life. Now, what specifically? I mean, okay, so you had a job loss and you kind of had to reinvent yourself. What are some other things that happened uh, during your life that um, gave you kind of uh, the underpinning for this book? Well, so well, growing up when I, when I was a kid, uh, my, you know, my, my parents early on, I mean, they, you know, they were trying to get by with, uh, with what little bit they had. And uh, we uh, had an older sister and a younger brother and found out shortly after my brother was born that he had severe cerebral palsy. Um, so uh, I was raised in an environment where my parents uh, sacrificed, especially my mom, sacrificed, you know, her life to take care of him and uh, to raise, raise us as best she possibly can. And, and they did it in a way where, you know, they, we didn't know any different. I mean, it was just, it was just a normal part of our lives. And, and we learned that taking care of each other was what was most important. So that was a, a big chunk of it. Um, okay. And then, and then the, the yeah. No, 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 keep going. Yeah. So then the driver, I mean, so then the driver, I mean, so then you, you fast forward many, many years, right? I, I mean, here I am in Colorado. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm living in a, in a, in a, a, a single bedroom flat with no furniture, no nothing. I mean, I actually found a box spring by a dumpster and sprayed it down mm-hmm. with Lysol, and that was my bed for a while. <sighs> but the thing that was interesting, and I was, and I, and I, quite honestly, I got a, my, my job, my dad always told me, he's like, if you work in a restaurant, you're never going to go hungry. So I got a job <laughs> cleaning squid for, for minimum wage. And, but it, the wow. thing that was interesting, Robert, is I, I was happy. I was really, really happy because I had made some decisions to take control over my life. And, and, and I wrote it down in a paper, and really the, the core behind it was I wanted to understand where I fit into this big picture, and I kind of broke it down to the, the smallest possible thing. The, the, the greatest common denominator of all living things is that I'm alive, and, and, you know, and, it's, and, and there's a bit of energy within me, within all things, whether it's a blade of grass, a dragonfly, or a person that seems to exist, that energy, that life's energy that exists when you're alive that no longer seems to be there when you're not. And that's the core of that paper that I wrote. And that was mm-hmm. the principles that drove me forward. And then I decided many years later to wrap a book around it, to kind of communicate that message. And that, and that book is, is stories from people that I met and experiences that I had to deliver that message. So that's great. Um, who is this book for then? And you're, uh, who, are you, who are you thinking about when you wrote this book? What what people like? What would be your target in terms of what type of people do you want this to resonate with? I mean, it's a universal truth to it, but about you know you have to do things on your own. But who who are you really aiming for? I'm looking for those people. I mean, those people that are in a transition. You know, whether it's the beginning of a transition, it's that it's that mindset that you know what I need I need a change. I need to do something different. I need to find something with greater purpose in my life. Uh, it could be somebody that's already on that journey or somebody that's wanting to make that leap um, to figure out where they connect in. It's, it's the person that's asking that question. Um, you know, that's, that's really, that's really where it's from. And, I, and I, what's interesting about it is the feedback that I've got on the books thus far. It's mm-hmm. been, it's been all age ranges. Uh, mo- a lot of uh, college kids that have read it uh, absolutely loved it. 
which was, you know, wonderful for me to hear. But then I've even heard up to people that are, you know, like my, uh, one of my daughter's uh, friend's grandmothers read it, and she was unbelievably moved by it. So, I mean, there's, there's something there that's connecting to people and, and making them really enjoy it and finding a connection with it. Um, what um, what did you learn the the process of writing uh, your memoir? I mean, you have to combine kind of universal truths and personal story. How tell us about uh, your writing process and how you merge those two things, and then what you learned from the process of writing a book. Well, I mean, so. Humility, I would have to say, is, is the number one thing that I learned, especially with the content that I put out there. Um, you know, I, I would say there was a part of me that I, I think I had to realize a couple of maybe a, a year or so in when I was writing that if this isn't personal therapy. It needs to be a message that exactly. I can deliver that people can can digest. And, and it, but it, so I had to go through and there was a lot of pieces that I really I really enjoyed writing. There was a lot of pieces that meant a lot to me, but I had to clip those out of the book. And, and I think that was an important lesson along the way. But just, you know, it, it's, it's, about, it's about consistency. You know, it's about, it's about a routine, whether it's, you know, you're just like working out or, you know, having a good diet or being in a good relationship that you've got to maintain. The, the book's no different. You've got to stick with it. The minute you put it down and you, and you go, I'm going to come back to that later, uh, later becomes uh, months and then years. Um, mm-hmm. So that was something that in the, in the final years, when I finally really sat down and did it, it was something that I, I did with every free moment and a lot of passion behind it. And I was just really excited to get the book out and get the message out. Between the time, just out of curiosity, between the time when you thought about writing the book and then when you did write the book, did you, uh, did you change as a person? And after writing the book, did, did you find yourself has, uh, having had change? Yeah, fantastic question. Yes, absolutely. Not, you know, it, it, not only, not, I mean, I, I would say when, when, I, when I started writing it, I needed many more years of experience under my belt before I could even finish it. I, I, I could honestly tell you when it, the, the message I was trying to deliver, I had not uh, reached a point where I could communicate it in a way where it was meaningful. I knew what it meant to me. I knew what it meant in my heart. I knew, mm-hmm. knew what it meant in my mind, but I couldn't articulate it. And it was through my experience and, and a lot of the things that I did over the following years that allowed me to get there. You know, that's, so, yeah, and then, a, and, then after, and then after the book, I mean, after launching the book, I mean, the moment you just you press the button and you, and you do a launch party, I mean, you just, mm-hmm. you're a different person right at that moment. You know, it's interesting. Uh, I... My process. I wrote a. I wrote my first book, and it. I cried when I finished. I just broke. Just it was an emotional thing. I was by myself, and I wrote type D N, and I never got the book published. But I learned. I learned about the story because I wrote about kind of personal story, and it was you know it was about 350 pages. But um, I realized that that was important to do that just to have the effort of going through the writing and then I went back and said you know what to get that message out there that I really want I have to kind of take myself a half a step out of it so I wrote in the third person and I used archetypes and I made it a novel and uh, then it worked it clicked so that that's why I asked that question because I think I can relate to you as a writer first of all you have to stick with it and secondly you end up sometimes killing your darlings like you said you had to cut some sections that you felt were very personal to you but might not be the best thing for the uh, audience 
but it's just isn't it an amazing process and so therapeutic just to write a book uh, for yourself? I, I, w- I would recommend it to anybody, quite honestly. Mm-hmm. Whether you you hand it to people to read or not, it's just a great it's a great process to grow, go through. And and it's actually quite honestly in in that period of time since I, I launched it, I mean my life's changed dramatically because now it's kind of who am I as a person? Well, mm-hmm. now I'm an author. Now I'm a writer. You know, and and it's. And, and, you know, and then you start the next one, as you, as you know, and you know, yeah. you, you just get going. And now that you have the tools and the format, and you understand how you write and how you commit. It's actually a heck of a lot easier the second time around. Yep, that's true, and more fun. The more the, it's like skiing or chess or whatever. The more you do it, the more fun it becomes. Yet it opens up and it becomes even more fascinating because you learn more and more about places you can go. Um, so let's drill down a little bit into the book itself. Can you? Uh, for the benefit of our listeners, talk about any of the, you know, what's the, what are the top, what are the top two mistakes people make when it comes to finding their life purpose and going in the right direction, and what are the things they can do about that? So, well, I'd say I'd say one for sure is you you feel like a leaf on a stream and you're following the current. You know, you think that this is, you know, how your life is supposed to go. This is what you've been taught. This is the way you've been raised by your parents or your circumstances or the people around you. And you just kind of following along, trying to find the, the best way to make it happen, not realizing all the way radical change is possible at any time. You, you can you can shake it up and go in a different direction. And it's just a matter of saying, you know what, I'm going to do this. Um, and then the other the other the other big challenge, I think that at least that I've seen that I've heard and that I dealt with myself is perspective. You know, what's your perspective on it? I mean, you can, you can change that, like turn on and off a light bulb, you know, perspective is, mm-hmm. is your window to the world. Um, if you're, if you're looking through it through a clouded view and it becomes the shackles that, that hold you back. But the minute you look at the world from a positive perspective and you look at all those opportunities that are out there, knowing that you can get them, then it, it changes things in a big way. And so, I mean, one of the, I mean, so I would have to say as far as like things that I've done or things that I, you know, that I promote within the book is, you know, a a big change, do something big, you know, take a big leap, take a big risk. And, uh, you know, don't, don't bet the farm, don't sink the boat, but I mean, taking a big change of, you know, who you want to be is, is really, really important, but then also little steps, you know, little things, little changes that you make, whether it's within your relationship or within your job, you know, you, you can you can build better relationships with people you work with. Or, you know what, if it's not working out, maybe it's time for a career change altogether and you just drop it all and you move on to something else. Um, but, but change is, is critically important, whether it's on the grand scale or small scale. Now, do you find that um, uh, because, you know, the show is Guys Guys Radio, so I like to put things every once in a while through the Guys Guys lens. Do you think that men... Uh, today's men have a different set of challenges uh, in your experience, both as an executive and as a writer and somebody who's worked in public service. Do you see that men have different challenges today that, than uh, women do? Uh, um, uh, yeah, I mean, every, yeah, definitely there's, there's, there's different challenges. Um, you know, uh, you know, the, the degree of what the challenge is, I mean, is, is daunting for, for each. Um, but I mean, just look at the environment that I'm in today. I, I mean, I work uh, for Nurse Family Partnership. I work for a nursing company, um, and there's not a whole lot of guys in the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's something that. But from a from a mission, from a meaningful, you know, life. I mean, it, this was a, a an area I wanted to go into. 
And, you know, I, I get a lot, I get, I get raised eyebrows from time to time, you know, Why, why'd you do that? Why'd you go that direction? That's different where I come out of a private sector and, and mm-hmm. guy, you know, you have this idea in your mind, you know, cause especially, you know, our generation, uh, you know, you, my, you know, I saw my dad, my dad went off to work, you know, he, he made money. My mom stayed home. She took care of the kids. That's what you kind of see. And right. today it's not that way. I mean, my relationship with my wife, I mean, you know, she was, a, you know, earning just as much as I did for many, many years, um, mm-hmm. you know, and we support our family together, you know, and, I'm, and it may, it, it, the thing with that is that change, that shift in your mindset, which is a big change. It, it's much more rewarding and more re- enriching. I mean, I got to spend a lot of time with my kids and I got to know them where growing up, I don't know about you, but I mean, I didn't see a whole heck of a lot of my dad. I mean, he was pulling, pulling down two jobs. Uh, that's the same, my same experience. My dad traveled constantly. So, you know, I, when I go to play my soccer and baseball games or wrestling or whatever, it was always my mother there on the sidelines. And my dad was, you know, off in Europe or South America or whatever. But I, you know what? It didn't bother me. I might have bothered my older brother, but I never even thought of it. I just did my thing. So I don't know. How is it for you? Did it bother you? You know, I certainly would have liked to have more access to him. And, and, and uh, yeah, you know, it would it would have been nice to have him around. He, you know, he made it when he could. There there was times when it bothered me, but you know, I'll tell you what, that that guy's really made it up over the years, and just mm-hmm. you know, and and we've spent a lot of time together, many many years later, and he's shared plenty of his wisdom with me. So I'd have to say, early on, maybe it bothered me a little bit, but uh, but when I was when I was you know now no not a, not at least. Mm-hmm. Um. So. Uh... You're in a different place now. Um, it's interesting. You went from so you went from New York, uh, the New York area, to then you were cleaning squid, and you ended up. How'd you make? What happened between squid cleaning and Chipotle, and then Chipotle and doing private uh, public service with uh, the city of Denver? And how how was the you know the foundation of what you learned and who you are and the inspirations and the kind of rules involved in your book? How did they impact your uh, ascent, if you will, career-wise? Sure. Um, you know, I, you know, I, like I said, I was happy. You know, sleeping on a box spring, I had nothing. But I knew, I mean, my cir- again, my circumstances weren't going to change unless I did something, something different, something drastic. And actually, I got involved in. Uh, I started working for uh, the Westin Hotel downtown, uh, downtown Denver, and I literally. I had, you know, I, I got a job doing a night audit position in accounting, which I had absolutely zero experience. Um, and I just hung it out there and said, look, you know, I'm, I'm a smart guy. And, uh, you know, I'm assuming accounting is adding and subtracting. You tell me what they add and subtract and I could do it. And it was it was at that moment and I got that job. And, I, and it was at that moment that I, I realized this is who I'm going to be. I'm going to be a, a straight shooting person. I'm going to be very honest. I'm going to be very transparent with who I am. And we're going to see where we go from there. And that was kind of, that was kind of like the launching point. So from there, I stumbled backwards into technology. And I was, you know, I, I have a, you know, a huge thirst for knowledge, you know, like a lot of people do, actually. And, you know, I started learning around technology. And that led to, you know, I wound up working for, I had our, our first, I met my wife and my first baby was on the way. And I took a job working for a software company. And then, and then from there, uh, it was, at, you know, post 9-11 world. The company was starting to downsize. We went from uh, Denver office went from 120 people down to 15, and the only assurance I had was I'd be the last person laid off yet again. I said, well, you know mm-hmm. what? This time I'm not going to let that happen. So I decided to run right at the challenge, and uh, and I went out on my own and started a company out of my garage, 
uh, a web development business. So um, I did that for two years and, and came across Chipotle. I was going to do some work for them. And the next thing I know, I, I went on, I went on full time with them and I ran their technology department for, for uh, eight years uh, through some times of tremendous growth. And the things that I learned there were absolutely phenomenal. I was very fortunate too, because I was very open-minded. And again, like I said, I had that, you know, I'm going to be very open and honest and transparent. And, uh, you know, I had an opportunity to, you know, spend some time with working with Steve Ells, who was the founder of Chipotle. And he was kind of my Steve Jobs. He was an amazing innovator, brilliant guy. And I learned a ton from him. And, um, and, 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 but I wound up on the road all the time, kind of like your dad. And I was gone all the time. Got to a point where, you know, I got to a point where I, you know, wasn't even calling the kids at night anymore. I was texting them. And then I was texting them and I didn't realize a day would go by or two days would go by and we weren't communicating. And, you know, and my wife was unbelievably supportive and we said, you know what, we were in a position where we could financially do it. So let's take some time off and figure out what the next steps are and really start working on this book. And that's where life's equation really got some, some life breathed into it. And then I got a phone call from the mayor's office saying, Hey, we heard you're available. We have some big challenges over here. Would you be willing to come in and help, help turn it around? So that was uh, what I wound up doing. And I went uh, on with the mayor. Were you in uh, technology when you worked with the mayor? Yeah, I was the CIO of Denver for his first administration. And that's what I, and I, and I was never in the military and that was something else that I was like, you know, I never did my public service. Um, so, and I, you know, I was always one of those conversations that I hesitate on when people ask me, Hey, yeah, we're here in the military. Well, you know what? Now I did my public service. I, you know, I was there supporting police, sheriff, fire, public works, you know, homeless. I mean, just doing everything I can to help out society for those years. And, and, it, and it was a blessing and a curse because it got the hook in my lip. I mm-hmm. went back to the private sector after I did my first administration and they wanted me to stay on. And I, and I, and I want to bounce back out to the private sector because that's who I thought I was at that time. And I did that for about a year and it said, this, I can't, I can't, I can't do it. I got to go back to some kind of public service. And, and fortunately I, I got a call for the, the, the chief operating officer gig at nurse family partnership. And it's just mm-hmm. been absolutely fantastic. Great. Excellent. Now uh, tell us a little bit more about the, your brother and how that was growing up with him. And uh, I know I want the listeners to know that a percentage of the sales of the book goes to the United Cerebral Palsy uh, Fund. Uh, talk to us about that and uh, that dreaded disease and how you kind of handled it. And uh, what's the future for uh, the cerebral palsy? How are they making some headway now with finding ways to deal with it better? Yeah, you know, I, I, I think so. You know, when I was a kid, you know, and, and found out, I mean, he, what, what he is developed it actually? An, sir, it's a, it's a degenerative uh, disease of the brain, of the neurons. Uh, and what it does is it actually affects the motor skills to different mm-hmm. varying degrees. Um, and, and quite honestly, it's not, it's not a, it's not a disease like a, like a multiple sclerosis type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be caused by many, it could be caused by lack of oxygen to the brain, early on in life, right after birth. Um, mm-hmm. And potentially that may have been what caused my brother's situation as well. He was uh, in an incubator for a period of time and there was speculation that it malfunctioned and, and that's actually what caused it. So, so there's different reasons that, that, that part of the brain uh, gets affected. Um, but that's what happened to him. Uh, his development, I mean, he was a quadriplegic, uh, couldn't speak a word. We never exchanged, never exchanged a word. Um, but he was, you know, he was always happy. 
and he was always smiling. Even even when he was struggling to breathe, that you could make him laugh. You mm-hmm. know, you can, and he, he was always wanting to smile, and 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 that strength is something that I learned early on, and I, and I didn't know any different. And I and I kind of took that with me in, in my life, and and he, without a doubt, one of the greatest inspirations. I mean, the greatest inspiration in my life, without a doubt. Um, and you know. And 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 over the years too. I mean, you know, it, my friends, you know, coming along, and I, you know, I'm just like, hey, it's my brother, and this, you know, and you, and you see people initially kind of, you know, they're taken aback, but then over time, they, they kind of my good friends anyway. I mean, they kind of get used to them, and you know, like, hey, you know, and they they interacted with them just like I did as best they possibly could, and you know, and it was, it, it, the, I think probably one of the most challenging pieces of it was seeing what it did to my parents over the years. Mm-hmm. I mean, just strong, strong, amazing people. Um, but at the same time, too, dealing with some unbelievable, difficult circumstances. I, I, I mean, I got, I, right? I mean, I, I can't, I mean, I have two kids. I mean, he was mm-hmm. my brother, but I, I can't right. imagine, you know, it being my job by any means. Do you, uh, uh, forgive me if this, I, 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 I want to ask this question because it's in my mind. Do you believe that, because um, you've been, you've experienced this firsthand, do you believe that people before they incarnate, actually choose to have certain experiences for whatever reasons did you and if you do believe that did you see that i mean you talk about the joy that your brother had um i don't i don't want to uh, say the wrong thing but just out of curiosity did you ever try to make you know rationalize what was going on oh absolutely you're not saying the wrong thing at all i mean you actually you're hitting it spot on and it was funny because you know i was raised catholic um and at the time, a Catholic priest came in, and I actually asked that question, that very question. And mm-hmm. I said, why? Why is he this way? And he, he began to talk to me about people being born with original sin. And I, you know what? And I just I couldn't, you know, right. everybody has exactly. to suffer in a certain, you know what? I, 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 can't, I couldn't swallow that. I don't buy <laughs> right. it. And, I and that's actually what I, and I, and I kind of walked off on that one. Over mm-hmm. time, I realized it, it was a gift. It's really Mm-hmm. He was a gift he, in the way he changed everybody's life that he was around and the way, I mean, talk about the ripple effects of, you know, having an existence like that on everybody around him. I mean, look at, you know, look at somebody like, uh, you know, Martin Luther King. I mm-hmm. mean, he, he died in such a tragic way so early, but look at the impact that he had, right? My brother, you know, same thing. And mm-hmm. just in a different scale and in a, in a different way. And that's kind of how I see it. Do, do you make that choice? You know what? I'll tell you what. I hope you do. I really hope you do get to make mm-hmm. that choice. Interesting. Um, uh, God bless you. Uh, tell us a little bit about how else you're, you know, there's, as you know, Frank, uh, first you write the book and then you say you give a sigh of relief. And then it's like, now I have to sell it. So what are you doing? Right. Uh, uh, you know, what else are you doing? Uh, you're getting on some radio shows and stuff. What, how, tell us about the challenges and the road of uh, publicizing a book because it's it's pretty crowded out there. People read on the computer all the time, but they're mm-hmm. you don't see that, that many people sit down and crack open a book as often as you know maybe 50 years ago. Uh, tell us about the challenges of being a, a writer. It's it's funny because it's not like what I thought it was going to be. When you when you first start out, you got all these these illusions of you know how things are going to are going to go. You got to write your book, and somebody's going to pick it up, and and next thing you know, it's going to get marketed out, and people are reading it, and it's, it moves along. 
And you're right. It's not that way at all. You, you actually have to go out there. That's, finishing a book is like, you know, giving birth. Mm-hmm. You know, now you got to raise it. You know, and what do you want to do with it? How much attention do you want to pay to it? Um, you know, one of the mo- most important thing I do is I, I listen to my wife and I do what she tells me. So that, that's, that's helpful. Um, and, <laughs> that's that's and, always and, helpful. And, and, right. And, and so, you know, so I, I go do my speaking gigs. I, I get on the, I get on the calls and the, and the talk shows that she gets lined up and I, and I get that taken care of. But, but one of the things I'm realizing for me that it actually, it, it's more of a tool. Uh, it's a tool for me when, um, you know, when I'm meeting people, when I'm having conversations to get it out there. Um, and what's happening is I'm starting to get a little bit of this word of mouth passing on. I, I, mm-hmm. it's, it's funny because, you know, in the last, you know, since I, you know, I've, I've met a lot of people over the last couple of years since I wrote the book and I've got people popping up all over the place going, Oh yeah, I, I read your book. I know more about you than, you know, than, than you think. And, and it's just, it's interesting to me, but that's, that's been in my local community of, of people that I know. Um, so it's kind of, it's kind of catching on there. Uh, right mm-hmm. now, and I feel pretty good about that, uh, and I feel really good about the feedback that's coming. And this is people too that I mean, you know, I know of or they're acquaintances, but they don't really know me, know me. And the feedback has all been been pretty positive. So I'm kind of we're looking at it more from like this organ- organic ap- approach, mm-hmm. you know. It's more of a it's more of a you know let people pick it up versus trying yep. to push it to people. Okay, fantastic. Well, listen, uh, I highly respect what you're doing. I really like helping out. I can totally relate to your experience. I wanted to, you know, help spread the word for you. And I see your next book that you're working on might be a kind of a roadmap to peace. So I really think that's fantastic. And I don't know if you believe what I believe, Frank, but I think, you know, every individual, if we do whatever we can to kind of raise our positive, our vibration, our frequency, whatever, that it has a, a ripple effect and it, it, it affects and impacts a lot of people. It's not just one to one. It's like one to a hundred, one to two hundred. And we can really, we can really make a difference. So you're you're making a difference, uh, step by step. And I uh, I congratulate. You. So tell us where uh, we can find you, where we can find the book, uh, where listeners could learn more about you, website, whatever, social media. Absolutely, yeah. I'm, I've got a website, SprankDayDone.net, and it's also Life's Equation. Uh, dot net that's up um we you know i've got a facebook page uh, that we put up and uh i try and i tweet from time to time probably need mm-hmm. to do a little bit more than i do now um so there those are the those are the main staples of where you can find me and and then obviously i've got a, a pretty strong uh, ca- uh community on linkedin as well Fantastic. And, and it's nice too. One of the one of the things I like too about that, you know, like things like LinkedIn, if it, you can actually actually interact with people, which is which is mm-hmm. pretty neat too. Yeah, no, it's absolutely true. Well, listen, I I, I have a lot of respect for you because I've come from the corporate world. I know you worked at Chipotle. I did a lot of advertising for uh, KFC, so I understand the QSR okay. business, and it's a tough. The scoreboard's up there at the end of every weekend, so I totally get it, uh, and it just keeps going and going and going. Um, and when you're making the move from corporate to doing something creative, you have to make some adjustments mentally and uh, also in your lifestyle and everything else. You have, to, uh, you have to be passionate about what you're doing and really believe in it. So congratulations to you, and I wish you all the success going forward, Frank. I know you're on the way to the airport, so I'm going to let you go, but I want to thank you for being on Guys Guys Radio. Let us know when you have your next book done, and uh, all the best to you, and thank you. Hey, fantastic. Thank you. And thank you for creating an opportunity for people like me to, to kind of get our message out. I really appreciate it. 
Absolutely. Well, you're a guy's guy, and what we do, we say better men, better world. So keep it going, Frank. All right. Have a, gr- have a great night. You too. Okay, folks, that's our special guest for this evening, Frank Dadone, and his book, once again, is Life's Equation, A Journey Toward Finding Greater Purpose. So as I mentioned to you earlier in the show, we're kind of flipping the format around a little bit. Um, we're going to go into the Guys, Guys, Guide for the week. So uh, it's usually I base it on uh, the segment based on what I'm writing about in terms of my uh, weekly blog. And I've done over 270 five weekly blogs now. So you, you would think I'd run out of topics, but believe it or not, I got a whole bunch of topics lined up. So the last couple of weeks I got into the relationship space because, you know, the name of the book is the guy's guy's guide to love. Uh, but this week I'm writing about, you know, something that sparked me, which is uh, how do you uh, simplify your life? We all have so much going on. So right after this break, I'm going to get into the Guys, Guys, Guide to Simplifying Your Life. So hang in there. I'll be right back. Okay, back to Guys, Guys Radio. So as I promised before the break, I've been uh, doing this segment called the Guys, Guys, Guide, and it's really uh, kind of a preview of my uh, weekly blog that's on robertmanny.com. And, you know, the whole Guys, Guy thing, it's about – it's kind of the updated man's man, but it's not a macho man. Uh, the guy's guy is about casual confidence, unassuming strength, seductive integrity, emotional intelligence, timeless style, and, you know, fun and good times. So uh, I tackle topics that are relevant to, uh, to men, a modern man, and in an effort to put them in a position to win. So one of the things that I'm writing about this week is simplifying your life. I mean, Let's face it, at times, modern life can be a complete, completely chaotic. We've got deadlines, we've got pressures in the office, we've got bills. There's just too much of everything. So it's like how many hours in a day do we have to keep up with all the stuff that gets thrown at us? And sometimes we're our own worst enemy because we double book and we triple book and we just run around like chickens with our head cut off from, uh, from this to that. So I think every once in a while we have to step back and say, hey, how can I simplify my life to make it more manageable? So I've got a, a couple of uh, pointers that I put in place. Uh, one is every once in a while, try to go low tech. I'm not saying unplug completely, but you don't have to be with the phone. You don't have to be on Twitter and Tinder and Facebook and email and chat, uh, a chat room and Snapchat and Instagram, everything all at the same time and do your job. It's just too much stuff and it'll just make your mind race. So you got to slow that down. Uh, And another part of that is be careful what media you consume. Um, If you watch, I'm from the world of advertising. And if you look at a lot of the ads, it's just so many quick cuts. It's the same way with a lot of the, uh, the big tentpole movies where it's just lots of action, wall to wall action, quick cuts. And they, they have decent plots and everything, but it's like, they're cut so quickly that there's a hypnosis effect in that before you have time to process something, they're on to something else. Uh, so you have to be careful about it. You just take in too much of that stuff. Your mind gets a little bit scrambled. And maybe that's how those that are in power want things to be, want us distracted. The other thing is these distractions. Like, we have a very controversial president now, and every day you turn on the news and it's like, what has he said now? What has he done now? And I don't care if you're for him or against him. 
it's just like he's creating there's an anxiety overall that we've never had before and i think people are paying more and more and more attention to politics because frankly uh they're they're concerned they're scared and uh I'll, 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 like, like this healthcare bill now they're talking about uh, and it seems hard to believe the fate of uh ensuring in the same fair uh way uh pre-existing conditions and it's like wow I thought it's called insurance, where the idea is you get insurance if you if you're sick. But now they they want to charge healthy people less than sick people. It kind of defeats the whole idea because it's supposed to be about spreading the risk. But I mean that type of thing. But the point is, there's so much anxiety out there that gets sucked into the drama each and every day, all day long. Uh, another thing you can do is your 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 home, your workspace, declutter it. Every once in a while, you got to, you know, go in the closet and uh, look at your clothes. And it's usually it's the 80-20 rule where you wear 20% of the clothes 80% of the time. Stuff sits there in the closet. I've had things, shirt hanging in that, on that hanger for like 10 years. And I, you know, worn it once, but I won't get rid of it. At a certain point, you got to say, you know what? I got too much stuff. I got too many pairs of sneakers. I got too many clothes. Give it to the people who need it. Find, you know, the right charity and give it away or sell it or whatever you want to do. But there's always people who can use uh, lightly used clothing. Uh, When you're talking about your workspace, clean it up every now and then. You know, you take these pieces of papers and you put them on the side. And then all of a sudden you get a bigger and bigger and bigger pile. And it's just too much stuff. Declutter. Um, it goes to the same thing with your dating life. You know, so many people want to have the, you know, this thing called cushioning now where you go out with one person, but you have to have a little a couple of other things, possibilities kind of lined up on the side just to make sure in case what you're doing doesn't work out. You know, when I met my wife, I was doing that. And then I met my wife online. She actually winked at me on match.com and we went out a few times and I just stopped seeing any, everybody else. And it became a lot easier. And finally, she said to me, I see you're still, your name is still like, you know, uh, active on Match.com. What are you doing there? And I thought about it. And I said to myself, well, if she must be active if she saw my name. But on the other hand, I asked myself, why don't I just give this a chance? If it doesn't work out, I can go out with somebody else. I'll just start over again. But this juggling of so many different dates and the, uh, overbooking and three dates in one night and all that it just over time it just gets to be too much where you kind of lose focus as to why am i doing this in the first place i mean you can do it for a while and it's fun to date and go crazy for a while but at a certain point you have to decide what am i in this for because dating can use up a lot of time and you can if you're a guy you end up end a lot of scratch if you do real dates um another one is with your you know with your diet uh simplifying your food you know our some argue that the food supply is weaponized. So much processed food, so many GMOs, GMOs, so many pesticides. If you eat meat, you're eating all the uh, additives and antibiotics and uh, all the stuff that the animals eat that are fed. And then farm fish and, you know, they swim around in the feces and everything. You got to be really careful about what you eat. So if you, over time, what I've done that's really been helpful to me, at least, is I've simplified my diet. Um, I really just cut out. Uh, a lot of things that I, I, uh, I gave myself a couple of years to really wipe them out of my diet, but I don't eat meat. It's been eight years now. 
I uh, I go through uh, times of the year where I'll like not have any alcohol for a couple of months, and then maybe I'll drink for a while and then stop again. So now this year I've only I had drinks around the time of my wife's birthday, and that was it. The rest of this year I haven't had any alcohol, and I I really haven't missed it. Uh, when I'm drinking, I like to drink. When I'm not drinking, I, it's like out of sight, out of mind. Uh, same thing with processed foods, fried foods, caffeine, dairy, sugar, processed salt. Over time, I would recommend just start to eliminate those things. And I know I have, I have a lot of boomer friends and uh, these guys, they, can't, they, they talk a good game, but they just don't change. And uh, unfortunately, you know, it's like riding a car 80 miles an hour until you, you know, you're heading towards a wall at a certain point things are going to happen because you can, your body, you know, is not built to go forever. It's particularly from the way that mistreated here in our current lifestyle and for modern men. Um, so, but to simplify your life, simplify your diet, just eat good, clean food. Um, and then what I call, I deal with my son. I have a son, he's turning four. And I always say to him, rule number one, uh, watch where you're going. Uh, do one th- rule number two, do one thing at a time. Rule number three, pay attention. It's all about, you know, not trying to do three things at the same time. I know we have to multitask, but you want to do one thing and you want to do it well. When you get a job, you want to do the one thing you want to do it well. So just be careful. I would just say, be careful about spreading your energy all over the place. It's, I think it's better to like do this one thing for a couple hours and stop, then move to something else. But trying to do all these things at the same time makes it tough. And then last but not least, um, if you can find some time every day to meditate, uh, even if it's like for 10 minutes, find some quiet time for yourself and take yourself down. Just sit there. What I do is I like to take, breathe, focus on my breathing, and then three, calm and relaxed. Two common relaxed, one common relaxed, which I tell myself and I take myself down. And I've actually found that over time it gets easier and easier and easier to get into that meditative place. Don't do it now, particularly if you're in, the, you're in a car, but find a time during the day to uh, give yourself a little quiet time. And uh, maybe it's at the beginning of the day, maybe it's at the end of the day. And even if you don't do that, at the end of the day, do a quick recap. And think about like, okay, what happened today? What am I thankful for? Ask your subconscious and your higher self, can you give me some answers to things I'm thinking about and challenges I have while I'm sleeping? And you'll find that you'll start to have some lucid dreams. So something to keep in mind. So anyhow, that is this week's Guys, Guys, Guide. And uh, I think we're going to wrap the show around now. Let's see who we've got on next week. Next week, we're going to be back on uh, Wednesday, uh, May 10th at 7 p.m. And actually, one of my favorite guests is coming back, Dr. Amit Gaswami, the uh, well-known, world-famous quantum physicist and author of a number of books. He's going to come back and talk about his new book. So I can't wait for that. That's next Wednesday at 7 p.m. In the meantime... um, Uh, I didn't really touch on what's going on in the world out there. So real quick, um, we've got uh, a challenging president that we're dealing with. We've got the NBA uh, playoffs happening now. 
which gets more and more exciting as we look forward to a potential Golden State Caval- Cleveland Cavaliers third go around, uh, which should be epic. And then uh, we've got the hockey Stanley Cup playoffs are happening now. Baseball's getting into the full swing of things. We're into, you know, we've already got a month of baseball under our belts. And, you know, it's interesting here in New York, the, the Yankees, who nobody thought anything about, they're doing great. And the Mets, who everybody was all about the Mets, and the Mets are struggling, and now they've got some injuries. Um, so it's just uh, the world of sports always has some drama. And we just had the NFL draft, so that gets everybody geared up. And it was amazing. I was watching some of the draft on TV, and they had like 75,000 people show up outdoors for just to have names read off. It wasn't even a game. So it shows you how, even with all of the issues about football and head injuries and all of that, that football is huge. It's a huge business. It's huge and people really love it in this country and worldwide. So anyhow, that's uh, kind of what's going on now. So stay safe out there. Send your positive energy that we don't get into uh, any more wars and certainly not a nuclear skirmish with uh, North Korea. We don't want that to happen. And uh, send positive energy to our leaders and also to our president that to keep him on an even keel and, uh, and hopefully that's a health care that people won't lose any coverage. So anyhow, that's our show for this evening. I want to thank everybody for for listening and being part of uh, the whole Guys Guys movement. And remember what I always like to say, guys, guys, finish first.